We're excited today is the beginning of a new series uh, that we're really excited about. It's called Unfinished. All right, and you'll see the first slide there, uh, the story of Titus. Let me ask you this first. Do you know someone, okay, and this might be the person in the mirror, that is terrible at finishing projects? Ladies, you may have that husband beside you today. It's Mother's Day. Give him grace. He needs it even today. I know. You might have that guy beside you, or it might be one of your kids. You say, just clean the room, and you go back in three hours later. What happened? I cleaned it. Open the closet door, right? You open the closet door, and the mom's gone for three days. What happened? It must have been as a drive-by closeting. Uh, I don't know. She just went by, and the door popped open, and it was just terrible, you know. Um, But unfinished, right? You know what I'm saying here? Like projects at work. You ever feel that way? There's certain projects, like this little expansion thing we got going on here. Is it ever going to end, is what I feel like, because I keep carrying every single detail, every single thing in my mind, like this has to be done, that has to be done. Foundry day, you know, it's exciting, but it's a lot of things that need to be finished. And when things are unfinished, how does that make you feel? You get a little cray-cray? I sure do, because I'm looking at the list in my mind, nonstop rolling through. Well, that's unfinished. That's unfinished. That's unfinished. Unfinished. What a a, a hard word to digest sometimes because we know how much work it takes to get it to the place of being finished. Well, the same applies to the life of a believer here on earth. Let Let me tell you, there is a work that is unfinished. There is a work that is unfinished that we are a part of. Listen to this. There are currently an estimated almost 7.2 billion people in this world, right? And of almost the 7.2, there are 42.1% unreached and 17% that haven't heard the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's in the world, okay? Now, you know how statistics go. I think it's pretty accurate. We'll go with it. You know how that goes because you never know what their sample is, blah, 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 blah. They're pretty reputable. But here, listen to this. In America, 6,000 teenagers commit suicide each year. 13 million children live in poverty. 150,000 people die because of substance abuse each year. Six million people are incarcerated or on probation. And the United States is the third largest unreached nation. You're like, but we should send missionaries everywhere else. (laughs) No. Third largest. Think about that. Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world. 28 million people left the church over the past decade. Sometimes I don't blame them. 72 churches permanently close their doors every single week. When you take those statistics and you put a face with it, there is unfinished business. There are people that need to know who Jesus is. Are you with me? Look around you in your life, not right now, but around you in your life. You can probably think of a few names. That are, there are people that don't, there are people that you know who have committed suicide. There are people that you know who have dry, died of drug overdose. There are people that you know that are incarcerated. These are staggering statistics that just boggle my mind because I'm like, really, is it that bit? Yes. There's a lot of unfinished business in the world, in America, in West Virginia, in Morgantown, but also in our lives individually. That's where we're going to camp today is looking at the first step in our lives, the unfinished business. Next, we'll go to our leadership. Next, we'll go to the church. And then lastly, we'll go 
to our community. So what does it take for this to happen? How do I, okay, let's make it personal to me, how do you begin such an amazing work of trying to finish, to to close the gap, to, to reach more people for Christ? How do you do that? Well, I don't know about you, but for me, it's, it's a daunting task. Because I think, I think to myself, knowing so many people that don't know him, how in the world can I reach all of them at once? I won't. But we can if we try. Titus 1.5, listen to this with me. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished. So when I started to read Titus, when I started to, to look in this scripture, I was thinking, you know, just praying, God, what do you want me to see here? What is, why would you drop this in my mind? Why would you drop it in my heart? What does this mean? See, we see in, in this book of Titus that there was a work that was unfinished that was assigned to Titus. And when we think about our own lives, there is a work that is assigned to each of us that is unfinished. Are you with me on that? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Even now, you're probably thinking unfinished. Oh, geez, I didn't get all the laundry out. There's stuff sitting in the washer now. I didn't finish cleaning out the garage. Did I just make you do that? I'm sorry. I get it. I understand. There's so much unfinished things. How are you trying to throw this whole share the gospel with the whole world at one time with me, Justin? I I get it. I get it. But if we put some key things in place, systematically, incrementally, we'll be able to make a change. And this was an opportunity that Paul had to speak into Titus's life here and share that. So what I want to do is give you a little bit of background of the key characters and also the location. So Paul, remember, he was originally a, a religious, zealous guy who lived and died for the cause of Judaism and pulling down Christianity. He was a guy that originally persecuted the early church, all the early Christ followers, by hauling them off, getting them thrown into jail so they would find persecution and even death. But one fateful day on the road, that road, remember he was that Damascus experience for him, he experienced and saw the one whom he was persecuting, Jesus. And he grew to understand that his life would forever be changed by that experience he had with Jesus that day to be blinded and to really see who he was supposed to be. Titus, this guy was a Greek guy who was also a Gentile. What's a Gentile? A non-Jew, simply. He was greatly skilled in administration. That's normally reserved for the ladies, but hey, guys can do it sometimes too. And in dealing with people, he was converted from being a Gentile to Christianity and later became a close friend with Paul. As a result of one of Paul's missionary journeys along the way, they stopped off in a place called Crete and he left him there so that he could help to manage the churches that began right around the day of Pentecost when those original Jews went to that island of Crete and took it back with them. But with anything, with people being involved, things become disorganized. Things begin to get a little jaded and in need of correction. And that's what Paul entrusted to Titus. Crete was a small island in the Mediterranean Sea, which had a large population of Jews. The churches were probably founded there, like I said, by the Cretan Jews. It was thought that the island was the training grounds for Roman soldiers of that day, the leaders the leaders of the Roman military movement. So you see this context here when Paul's challenging Titus to step up as a leader. And you see the context here of this place where leaders were being trained, right? Do you understand what I'm saying here? This island. I would love to go to an island. I would love to go. To, I think of it as a resort location. Wouldn't that be fun? 
Anybody there with me right now? You're just like, meow, 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 meow. You see it? Oh, the ocean is so beautiful. Back in Morgantown. Okay. I would have loved to have gone. But think about the task, the unfinished business that was given to Titus. We can completely identify with this. This wasn't his vacation spot. This was his place of ministry. This was his place of growing and his love for God and his love for people. So this morning, I think it would be fitting for us to start the same place that Paul did with Titus. This understanding of what it means to really love God within our lives. And again, you hear this all the time, to really love people because that's the beginning of leadership. That's the beginning of the church. That's the beginning of the community, making sure that we are in the right place with him. That we are working on the unfinished business of our lives. Are you with me? Good, four of you. This is going to be good. So the understanding that we start with is this, who God is. And I love these simple reminders in our lives because I don't know about you, but I need mid-course corrections so that I don't have to have catastrophic change at the end. Are you that way sometimes? It helps me to just get bumped back in there, right? Just bumped back. It's like bowling with gutters. You're a winner every time. <laughs> no, with those bouncy things. What are those things? Yes, you got me. Bumpers, bumpers. Yes, bless you. Number one is this. God is the giver of faith and hope. Titus 1, 1 through 2. Paul, the servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness and the hope of eternal life. Just We're going to cover four verses, but they are so deep in understanding of what it means. And this one alone, we understand that we have this faith and that we have this hope. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes it's very, very, very difficult to still believe that there's faith and hope when everything around you is crumbling. Can you identify with that? Think about the encouragement that Titus needed just by that greeting from Paul that, hey, look, still you have faith and you have hope. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the confidence, right? This is the NLT version. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Think about that. You want to get out of debt, right? You want to get a new house. You want to get a house. You want to get a new job, right? Something that can help you provide better, right? You want to be healed, right? You want your marriage to be fixed. You want your relationship with your kids to be better. You want your schoolwork to be easier. You guys are like, it's really easy right now. We're out. <laughs> but you think about these things. Faith. I don't know about you, but if I don't see things materialize, it's very hard to believe sometimes. So what do you do? You have to go off what he's done before. That's where this thing, knowledge, comes in. You have to know. I can't tell you how many people we talk to about these things through life. You've got to know who God is, and how he'll come through again. you got to keep believing. Just kidding. Y'all get ready. You're like, okay. Terry's about to get up. I don't know what he's doing. Everybody get up. All right. Faith is confidence and motion that God will do it again. 
like he's done before. Faith is the belief that God will give us what we need when we need it. How do you get there? Keep walking. Titus, how do you get there? Keep walking, buddy. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep walking. James 1, 17. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. This is that every good and perfect gift. Now, we know mamas are always the best at these kinds of things, but we got to take this father illustration right now, okay? He is the giver of every good and perfect gift, and he does not change. If he's done it before, he'll do it again. And if he hasn't done it yet, he's still going to do it. I'm telling you, believe. Don't stop. You're going to sing again, aren't you? Don't stop, guys. Because you could stop shy of finishing the work that he's called you to here on this earth. His work is not finished in you. The second thing is this. God is the giver of many promises. I love this. Titus 1, 2. Concluding verse 2, which God, who does not lie, come on, see, that was a problem that was in that community, does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Think about that. God's promises never fail. I have a bunch of scriptures in here that I'm just going to allude to. If you want notes after the fact, give me a holler, but here's the understanding. His promises never fail. Joshua 23, 14, think of that. God's promises of eternal life 1 John 2.25, he has promised us eternal life. God's promises of a new heart and forgiveness, come on. So important for us to have. Ezekiel 36.26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. That alone is refreshing. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Man, that is good. He's... He, he is a person that will promise and come through in your life, unlike all others. He promises his Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. You get this, this fruit aspect in your life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the list goes on. He will come through on his promises. It's his nature. He does not lie. Isn't that great? Is that encouraging for you? I need that encouragement. There's been so many other failed promises in this life. You can make a list of people that have failed you and have broken your heart, can't you? He's not that guy. He's not that guy. Paul wanted us to understand in this greeting to Titus, that Titus, look, the things that God has said to you, that he's promised you, the work that he wants you to finish, it's still going to happen. I think about this a lot within myself. When I think about these promises and when they don't come through and I think, God, what are you doing? And you hear God just kind of chime back in. Hey, uh, the only person that's changing here is you, not me. I stay the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're the one that's fickle. You're the one that stops believing. You're the one that stops walking. That's a challenge. Don't stop walking. Don't stop believing that he can do it. Because if he promises, he'll bring it through. Is that good? Hmm. Some of us are with it. The third thing is this, that God has an appointed season for you. Titus 1.3, 
in which now at his appointed season he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by, by the command of God our Savior. Do you ever feel like you're just floating in time of your life? Not like, boom, boom, not like that. But do you ever feel like just life is just everybody's, great things are happening around you. Everybody's just so happy. They're getting raises. You know what I mean? Just go down the list. They got into the great school, right? They were able to get the new vehicle. They got the new house. You see what I'm saying by this? Or, or they're just so, why are you so happy? You just want to throat punch them. Be like, be upset. Feel pain kind of thing, right? Do you ever just feel like you're the only one that's just floating? A lot of times we mistake these times for a time when God is not doing something versus an appointed season when he is. I had one of our folks ask me, how are you doing? How was your week? He's like, busy. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? I am standing on my own two legs. I am breathing without any help. Right? I ate too many calories this week because my arms work. (laughs) That wasn't justification. That was explanation. No, right? I'm able to work more than normal because I am healthy enough to do so. Able to do this and do that because God has enabled, because this season of my life is an appointed time that will not go to waste. You think about the life of Titus. It wasn't the big island adventure for him necessarily. He's having to correct people to straighten things out, to build in new leadership, to right wrongs and do all that. He was working with people. Anybody understand where I'm coming from? You don't work by yourself. You always work with people one way or another. People are God's chief end in life. They're the ones that we're here to impact. You are in, regardless of what you feel, an appointed season to finish a work. Well, maybe I'm too old or I'm not smart enough or I'm not good enough. Listen, that's a lie. God will use anybody. And if you don't let him use you, he'll use somebody else. Don't you want him to use you to finish the work that he's called you to do? You were his first choice for the work that he has for you. Think about that. He chose you. You are his chosen child. You are the one that he wants to use. Just as Paul called out Titus and said, look, you're in an appointed time in your life. Keep moving. Keep training. Keep building up. Guys, we are in an appointed time, in an appointed location, right? Are you with me? At at the right place to impact this world for Jesus. Without a doubt, this was his plan. This was his purpose. You know, with our story of coming uh, to Morgantown, I got to share it in depth with an individual at our our Thursday morning prayer time with local pastors. Um, And when you tell a story a lot, it kind of can lose its, its effectiveness to you. You know what I mean by this? When you share the same story over and over again. But as I shared it with this individual, tears were coming down his face because he got to hear how God has provided every single step of the way because this is an appointed time. Right? Are you with me? Mike and Brenda, you know what I'm talking about. You guys were instrumental in helping on the front end of making sure the church started. And still continuing to pray and pray before, years before, that this work would begin. Because God had a plan for this appointed time in Morgantown. You are the church that he's called to Morgantown 
for this point in time. This is your appointed time to rise up and finish the work that he's called you to do. Romans 5, 6, and 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. At that point in time, the most miraculous thing happened, salvation. At this point in time, your appointed time, you are to take that to others as well. I am thoroughly convinced that when he said, you're going to do greater things, it was a numerical thing. Think if there were just two people in this room hearing this message versus all of us in this room then carrying this message out. By sheer numbers, it's going to be a greater work. Do you get what I'm saying? God wants to use you at this appointed time. How? To share your story. For Paul, it was preaching the word. How many of you would probably most likely lose bowel control if I asked you to preach one Sunday? <laughs> Raise your hand. You're like, I have to go to the bathroom right now. Thanks for just causing that in my life. It's not your job. It's not your appointment. It's not your job. Trust me, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> you can take it sometime. It's fun. No, I'm kidding. I, it is my job. It's my calling. I'm supposed to do it, and I find the most joy in it. Your job, your appointment is to be you. Adam, when you're running the saw on the job site, be you, brother. Share your story. Eric, when you're correcting those backs and realigning things, you know, that's, that's your mission field. Do your job, man. Right? Are you guys with me? It's your job. It's your appointment to be you in this world. That's why we're here. Third thing is this. God will give you the needed grace and peace. This is so big to us. Titus 1.4. To Titus, my true son, and our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace. Grace is probably one of the hardest things to understand. Right? You're driving down Beechhurst. Or sitting on beach hurts, depending upon which time. It's about to get better. Someone cuts you off. What will you do? Grace and peace be with you, and you give them the bird. You know, no, no, no. I've never done that. Twice. I'm kidding. I really haven't. I really haven't. But see, see, grace is so hard to understand because it's so hard to give. It's even hard to receive because we're like, God, you know what I've done. Sure do. God, you still love me? Absolutely. You still have plans for my life? Doesn't change. But God, if someone did this to me, I'd be out. I would watch them burn. I don't care. See, his grace is so different. And it's so hard for us to understand because it's so hard for us to give. But to give it, you have to receive it. Right? Titus, they're a bunch of idiots. I know. Paul, you are not even here right now. You don't even know how much of it. He's reading this letter. Think about it. Put yourself there. 
Paul, man, these are monumental idiots. Ain't nobody got time for this, Paul. I am so done with this. Grace and peace, Titus. Paul, I'll punch you when I see you next time. Grace and peace. It's so hard to understand because it's so hard to receive and it's so hard to give. Peace. Extremely hard to capture sometimes, right? Imagine the task before Titus, the work that was so unfinished. Think about your life and how your schedule goes every single week. Do you find much peace in the midst of all that craziness? It's difficult. Even now, you're like, you're giving me anxiety sitting here. I'm supposed to be encouraged. And now the list keeps popping before my head. I can't find peace. You know what I'm saying? People are like breaking out in sweats and stuff. No, sweatpants. It's weird. They came back. No. Peace. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Ephesians 2, 8. Romans 5, 1 through 4. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we gained access by faith, goes back to believing, into his grace in which we now stand. Think about that. Not only so, verse 3, but we also glory. <laughs> oh, he's funny. We glory in our sufferings. Like I'm suffering again. This is awesome. I love suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Think about that. Isn't that amazing? That's what we have as believers. We have this grace and peace that's needed. Do you need it? I know I do. I know I surely need it, and I can't make it without it. I'm lost without this grace and peace. So the question, the response that I want to pose to you today is this. What is your unfinished work? Take a second. Survey your life. What is your unfinished work? What is God, not the list of cleaning out the garage or doing this or doing that, but what is your unfinished work? What is it that God's calling to you right now? Maybe the key is that, that start of a relationship with him, and we'll give you a chance to respond for that because that is the most important thing ever that you can ever, ever, ever do is give your life to God through Jesus. But maybe in your mind, you're seeing the list of the folks that you need to impact with this good news message, this proclamation of the gospel. That's what it means, good news, your life, your story. Who is it that you need to impact? Who is it that, that you need to touch? Whose life do you need to help change in this way? It's up to you to make it happen. Philippians 1 3 through 11. I thank my God every time I remember you. And all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Listen to this. Being confident of this. I love this. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out, carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. 
He started something, and it's up to you to finish it with him. What is your unfinished work? This is where we're going to start. We're going to move to leadership. We're going to move to the church, and we're going to move to the community next. But what is unfinished between you and him and the world in which you live? Are you with me? Because I can guarantee there's something that you need to do. You need to live this Christian life with excellence. You need to be a Christ follower that really, really looks like him. You want people to ask you questions. Why are you different? You're like, I just like to dress this way. No. Everybody else starts wilding out and freaking out when the pressure hits, but you're just like, it is well. If you do that, people might punch you. But you, you just have this sense of, it's okay. Why do you have peace? Why do you have extra grace for other people when they probably should be punched in the face? Why do you do that? What's different about you? I'm confident of this, that God has started a work in my life, and he's not finished yet. What do you mean by that? God has started something. Look, I'm here to reflect Christ in all that I do. That's why you're here. That's why we're on this together. This is our journey, but it has to start with him and you. All goes back to the beginning. How can any great team win the Super Bowl? Well, some cheat, but how can any great team, football's coming, win the Super Bowl? By having these things in place on the front end that just work. The, the, the basics, the essentials of the game. Watching Aiden yesterday, pitching. He's so funny. He's like, I'm like, just, his coach began to teach him the basics. I can't teach him that. You know that. Even if I know it, I'm his dad. But I watched him learn some of the, the basics in that moment and watched his stride get a little bit longer, watched his arm go back a little bit further and watched the ball come out a little bit faster and the strikes were coming. The basics. Working as a team. Hitting your cutoff man, right? You're like, that's the guy that goes and does the dirty work for me? No. The cutoff man is when you're throwing the ball in from outfield. Just go with me, okay? The basics. You got to have a relationship with him. You got to love him, and you got to love them. What's your unfinished work? How will it change in your heart today? If you could just take a moment and close your eyes with me. And I want you to think for a moment. What is it that God has said to you? Maybe even in this moment here in this room today. There's probably people that you've ignored that need help. There's people that you've said to yourself, you've walked by and said, well, somebody will help them. It doesn't have to be me. There's situations that you've avoided. Maybe some forgiveness or some whatever in your life that has just left you unsettled and unfinished. There may be some, some struggles financially, emotionally, spiritually that you know you need to handle, you need to address, you need to look at. But it's just so hard to even muster the courage to get to that place. God is here to give you faith and hope. He's here to maybe reinstate promises or maybe give you new ones today. He's here to give you an understanding that this is your season to shine. This is your season to live. He will give you the grace and peace to make it. The story's not done. 
So if you feel like there is a separation in relationship between you and him, that's, that's the number one thing we got to always handle, making sure that you have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's an understanding that he died on the cross for you, not just others, but for you and took away your sin so that you can be in relationship with him forever, that you can continually go back to that place, talking to him daily, walking with him, building your faith, building that relationship and telling others. That's the first stop. If you feel like that applies to you this morning, that you need to engage maybe for the first time or maybe re-engage that relationship with God, just, just look at me real quick. Just open your eyes and look, okay? Okay? You can close them back, okay? All righty. Anybody else? All right. Second thing is this, the second response item. Do you feel like there's unfinished business? Like there's some things that God has said throughout your life, some promises, some, some things that he's given to you that need to, need to be reinvigorated or, 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 or come back to life. It's not too late. It's not too late. You have a chance to respond. If you feel like there's, there's some, some business that you need to take care of, just simply look at me and then we're going to pray for everybody. Okay? All right? So now let's just believe together. So God, we just we come to you in this place. For some of us, Lord, we wish there was maybe an opportunity to escape this moment. For some of us, we wish that there was some sort of distraction that we could have so that we wouldn't have to face these things in our lives. But God, this is for a reason. Even this is a part of this appointed season. God, that number one, we can have a personal relationship with you. Thank you, God, that as we heard earlier through Heather and through your word that you've already done it all. You've proven your love for us. You've gone the distance. You've proved to us that you're faithful. Now, God, we want to prove to you by our everyday walk in dependence upon you that we will do our very best to be faithful to we repent, which means we turn from knowing, doing the things that we know are wrong and not, not lining up with you. And some of the things we don't even know, we repent and we turn to you. Lord, for some right now, that, that realization has just lifted the largest load from their shoulders that they've carried for quite some time. that, God, you have, through your son, bore those sins on his shoulders so that we may be free. Wow. God, help me, help us to never lose the joy of our salvation. Thank you, Lord. And now, God, we just pray for that, that unfinished work, that unfinished business of our lives. We pray, God, that you would help us, that you would encourage us, that you would walk with us, that you would lead us and guide us through your spirit, the Holy Spirit. You would give us everything we need. God, I'm just astounded by your love. I'm astounded by your grace.
And God, I am still astounded that you want to use me. Because God, I know my past. But God, you know my future. Mm. God, you know our past. But you care more about our future. Help us, God, to finish the work that you have begun to completion today of Christ when he returns to take us home. We thank you, Lord. We love you, God. You're so good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.